kind of truth that is true, whether or not you believe in it. There's no, 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 no. Triggering a defensive state when we feel that our thoughts have to be protected from the influence of others. <laughs> Wonderful woman. We're all very fond of her, very free spirit. What's up, strangers? You fanatics? Been a long time, huh? Been a long time. <laughs> Before I forget, um, the Epiphanic Beginnings uh, podcast episode I had before this one, um, check it out. If not, whatever. Doesn't hurt my feelings, but uh, it was my first episode I really got some uh, creative juices flowing. It's my first episode where I accompany some background sound with my narration. And I kind of liked how I uh, kind of pulled it off because... Uh, not only that, at the very end, with a cynical twist, I get weird with some voices and do some voiceovers because my buddy um, asked for some help to uh, give him some weird sounds and voices for his feature film that he's going to have in the Phoenix Film Festival. Um, you guys will be uh, posted on that, so I'll make sure you guys can check it out and you know reverberate all this goodness and creativity and juices and keep it flowing. Um, but yeah, so... Check it out. Check out the voices in the end because you can hear it again in the feature film of my buddy's movie called Anti. So some of you may know it, some of you may not, but I'm making sure I'm keeping you guys in the loop. But okay, now for this episode, we're going to flip the script and get pretty serious because this episode is a, a really good close friend of mine and not only a friend, but a family relative. He's my cousin. And um, I got to give it up to him. I got to give him a lot of kudos because he just came on and he just poured his heart out. Uh, it was kind of weird because we were both bored uh, one day and out of nowhere we uh, ended up podcasting. So, And he's going through a lot of changes and so he wanted to podcast about this new perspective he has. Um, and he was telling about his philosophy of precondition and reconditioning. And so... Not to spoil anything, but he does open up his heart and get pretty personal and intimate with uh, some things he was battling with, like depression, anxiety, and suicidal attempts, and surviving those suicidal attempts, and he definitely elaborates on that. So um, check it out, give a listen, uh, it's close to the holidays, so make sure you are close to your loved ones, and don't be afraid to reach out. Some people don't know how to ask for help. Uh, whether if they're going through a severe depression, anxiety moment or not, just maybe your friend that needs help on projects such as myself. A lot of people don't know how to ask for help. It is okay to ask for help. And so because it is close to the holidays, this podcast elaborates on uh, a personal account of someone going through really hard troubles of depression and anxiety and suicide. Um, that's the main thing that I took away was don't be afraid to reach out. Help the way you can, but you can't force anything on them. Um, without further ado, uh, you can hear from the man himself and from my loving cousin. Peace, love, and blessings to him as he continues on his exciting life with his new perspective. But, um, all right, I'm talking too much. Check it out now. Shut the fuck up, Mike. Goddamn. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, you told me in the car. I, I liked it. That's a great idea because, you know, we're cousins. It makes sense how we're both, you know, having this blood to share and these ideas that we like to get infatuated about. But uh, so elaborate more on what you were talking about, the, uh, so, the rendition. Uh, so I was talking about preconditioned, being preconditioned, um, and especially in the type of environment that we grew up in. Um, so the way I was preconditioned, you know, not just the area I grew up in, but like all the different places I've seen, the people I grew up around, uh, things I saw, uh-huh. um, I was preconditioned to know a certain lifestyle, which ultimately affected how I handled life situations. Your behavior so, and all that? Yeah, so, yeah. so it affects, it pretty much affects the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act. Um, because if I think, if I start talking a certain way, it's going to make me think a certain way, which is going to make me act a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, if I was out on the street and a guy comes up to me and he says, fuck you, my preconditioned behavior would automatically make me think I should fuck this dude up. Yeah. You know, which is going to make me tell him I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. Which is going to ultimately lead me into get into a yeah. physical altercation. But um, I'm kind of living the opposite of that, right? So the whole being in sobriety and stuff and and the 12 steps of, of AA, uh, it's about reconditioning, you know, recreating yourself. Okay. Uh, so that's where the reconditioning happens. So I'm reconditioning myself to to think, well, maybe dude's just having a bad day, you know, or yeah. maybe he's just as sick as I am, right? Yeah. So once I start to think in that way and try to be more positive about it, I could just, you know, tell him like, look, man, I don't want no problems, you know, or or even ask him if he's okay. Yeah. You know. Instead of just um, automatically acting on the right. Right, just yeah, a preconditioned, that, a just practice, instinct. Yeah. You know, I, I call it uh, primal thinking or primitive thinking. Yeah. Um. So it would cause me to act in a different way, right? I yeah. would. The the physical aspect of it would be either me walking away, you know, with no problem, or me walking away with this person trying to resolve their problem. Um, right. And right and on. that could be applied to many different things. Uh, just the way you see life, you know, it's it's like like the whole name of your podcast is practice perspective, and perspective is crucial in life because um, I could look at this coffee right yeah. and, and say <laughs> it looks like dirt water, yeah. you know, but you might look at it and think it looks like tea, yeah. you know. It's, it's it's all about perspective. The elixir of life. Yeah, you glowing know. darkness hue. Yeah, of this that, li- <laughs> that liquid crack, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you. It was nice, uh, nicely well worded because I mean, I don't think. I mean, I can't. I hate to generalize now, but I think people are starting to actually have that awareness of looking at their habits and their reflections. I'm like, all right, and maybe they use different words, but it's like we're going. We're getting to this awareness where we're like, oh man, I, I automatically act on certain things and it totally just goes over my head. Whether it's certain words we use, how we clean up after ourselves with the dishes or certain responses, it's just immediate. But um, but no, that's good. I like how you, you know, you have that awareness where you, you could, you know, see both options in a different perspective. Because to me, ever since I started like working on my Spanish and traveling, like a perspective is like a whole world. It's a whole, you know, 
entity in, that's living inside of us. But um, but you brought up uh, AA, which I'm, I'm glad you did because I think, I mean, if you don't mind, we going a little further on that route. We always hear stuff about AA. We have a, a general idea by what we see in the movies, you know. So you had that too, right? Before you actually went into AA. Did you? So my, okay. Yeah. So here's tell my, us, tell here's us my perspectives about AA. Here's in my that thing process. about AA and, um, you know, just for purposes of, of anonymity, I won't really uh, speculate too much on, on, <laughs> on people uh, or things like that. It'll be kind of generalized, but just to, to maintain the traditions. No, the yeah, program. that's good. So, yeah. Um, but before I got into sobriety, uh, I mean, I've always heard of AA, you know, yeah. uh, UGC stuff and movies and stuff like that. Um, and I was just like everybody else that that is in the program, you know, I thought it was some sort of cult or it was like for old guys smoking cigars in the fucking basement or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, like right? They yeah. just drink coffee all day, which is funny because like all we do is smoke cigarettes and vape and drink coffee. <laughs> but it's for all walks of life, man. The... The disease of addiction does not discriminate. It will attack you in any way it can, and it will attack anybody. Um, even you know some of the mo- from the most famous people to the poorest and yeah. you know least known people, it, it will come for you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And um, I had always told myself like, oh, I'm gonna go to meetings. I'm gonna go to meetings, and I never did. Right, uh, and it took a lot to happen in my life to where I hit the darkest period I've ever hit in my life, you know, to where I I tried to take my own life. And that ultimately led me to seeking help um, from a mental health point of view. Yeah. And when I was in there, uh, in the hospital, they were, they were having 12-step groups every night. Yeah. So I would go to these 12-step groups and I heard this guy speak and uh, it absolutely changed my whole perspective on it. Um, he was a, he was a heroin addict and he told me his story and I'm like, man, this guy's fucked up. You know what I mean? (laughs) If this guy can get help and live sober and like get his life together, I'm fucking gold, you know, like I'll be balling by next year. So, but it didn't quite turn out that way. Right. So, um, what a lot of people don't realize about addiction is it's a lot more than just being physically addicted to uh, whatever your drug of choice is, yeah. from alcohol to the hard drugs. Yeah. Um, it's a three-part disease, you know, body, mind, and, and spirit. Um, yeah. So you have, like, your spiritual malady, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's a, a disconnection from, from your higher power, you know, and, and that feeling of uh, never fitting in or not being a part of, and that's how I always felt. Um, I moved every year, every two years, you know, and... Uh, I never felt like I fit in, right? You know, I was either the weird kid or, or whatever, which is fine. But um, that ultimately led me to to feeling disconnected from society to the point to where I felt like I had to isolate. And yeah. once I start to isolate, all I'm left with is my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know. And and there's a um, there's a line from a song by this this artist that is really he's one of my favorites. Um, he says something like, uh, when you're, when you're trapped at the mercy of your mind, it will leave chills or something like that. 
And it's true because I always, in my mind, I see myself in the cage, just shaking in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, because that's how I felt in life. I felt isolated um, with no no escape, you yeah. know, like I have no no way to express myself um, because I had nobody. Yeah. But so that's kind of like where, where the spiritual malady comes into play and you know, God's always been there, but uh, I was never really open to seeing what God was trying to do for me. Yeah. Right. We had a love-hate relationship where he loved me and I hated him. <laughs> uh, but then you have the other, another part of it, which is uh, a physical allergy, you know. Yeah. And it's as soon as I ingest any, whether it be a drug or alcohol, yeah. um, my body cannot stop. Yeah. So as soon as I even the taste mm-hmm. it's it's on from there you know there's there's no holding back for me i don't yeah. have that that limit that normal people have um because that's the way i cope with stuff you know it's yeah. either blackout or blackout there's you know yeah um so which, which sucks yeah which, it does suck yeah and we could only understand from a certain point of view at a certain distance but i think when you go into uh the three parts about it especially like the spiritual part like, I think, you know, that's hard for me to, I could totally understand just based off of my experience and, you know, it's been related and, like, what we've been through. But um, but that's probably, uh, would you say that's more the most challenging part? Like, what, there's three parts, you know, physical, well, would you say, physical, mental, and spiritual? Yeah, so let me get to the third part and then I'll, I'll okay, tell yeah, you which ahead. part I feel is the hardest for me. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so the other part would be the mental obsession. Um which is kind of self-explanatory, but it's a it's a thought that overcomes all other thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm having a bad day, uh, especially like in my early sobriety, I dealt a lot with mental obsessions. Uh, if I'm having a really bad day, I can sit there and obsess over wanting to have a drink, you know, and that's all I'm going to think about. And I'm going to let it stew, and I'm just going to fester in that mental obsession until... I carry out that action, yeah. right? Um, but at a certain point, there's a there's a thing in the book, an area of the of the book uh, we call this it is the, the big book. AA book. Yeah, the big book. Uh, it talks about some of the promises that um, you get from working the program, um, and and a certain part of it, you know, it'll say that we won't have those mental obsessions. You know, so the the hardest part for me is probably the spiritual aspect of it, um, because I can I can think and act and speak a certain way right from being preconditioned, yeah. um, which is gonna block me from that that spiritual line of connection that I have with my higher power, right? Mm-hmm. So now I'm blocking That's the severed. now I'm blocking the sunlight of the spirit, yeah. um, and when I do that, I think in an unspiritual way. Right, which makes me do unspiritual things and makes me say awful things. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a chain effect, really. Yeah. Uh, it it's all about how bad do you really want it? You know. Yeah. Um, do you really want to be sober? Like. Yeah. You hear people say this program doesn't work for me, and you're right. It's not going to work for you. You have to work for it. Yeah. And that's where people, you know, fail is because they don't take the necessary steps. 
um, to keep themselves spiritually maintained, you know, and it's a lot more than just not drinking or using, you know, there's a, there's an emotional aspect of it, emotional sobriety, um, and, and stability, you know, how stable can you make your life? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I'm at. I'm in the phase of emotional sobriety. You know, I reach out and I help newcomers and, um, you know, I, I try to help out however I can. I have yeah. multiple home groups and service commitments. And uh, now that, you know, I'm moving to to another city, um, I have to completely restart my program. But the, the best part about AA is no matter where I go, I'll always have a fellowship around me. Yeah. Um, That's dope. That's good. Yeah, and it's cool. Like, I got to test that out, you know, yeah. firsthand uh, when I went out to, to drop a friend off in Hollywood. Um, I went to a meeting out there, and it was midnight. And I didn't know any of these people in this room, but by the yeah. time the meeting was over, we were all hanging out outside, and it felt like I'd known them for months. Nice. So That's good. anywhere I go, the fellowship will always be there, yeah. you know, and, and we're there for each other. You know, it's, it's almost like... Having a new family, yeah. I have brothers and sisters in sobriety, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. That's a blessing all in itself because yeah. a lot of us, like I said, we always felt alone. We isolate. You know, we're we're all in our own cage in our mind. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. I can yeah. go anywhere and not have to be in that cage. I can talk to people and help people and open up to people and share my own experience, strength, and hope. Yeah. So so. That is where. Um, so it's not an easy task. Like, no, it's you really, it's a it's a lifetime work. commitment. Yeah. But when you first started this, like understanding it's a lifetime commitment, was that like more burdensome, or was it like it was terrifying? It was terrifying. It was terrifying, absolutely, because um, just the thought of like I can never drink again, <laughs> I can never smoke a joint again. Yeah. You know, like there was times where I did have fun. Yeah. You know, but. It's only fun until it stops becoming fun. Yeah. And then it becomes necessity. Yeah. There's a difference between doing it to have fun and doing it because you have to. Yeah. You know, and uh, a lot of people end up falling into that pit of doing it because you have to. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because you're wasting so much of yourself and your potential in life. Yeah. And I've wasted many opportunities and lots of my potential and it's a lot of work to get it back, but... But the thing is, um, now at this point where I'm at, you know, having just a little over a year, like I, I realize that I have to treat every day like I'm brand new. Uh, if I start getting in my head and thinking, well, I have a year and I'm better than this kid and better than that guy, yeah. you know, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. As long as I treat every day like I'm brand new, you know, because I am brand new every day. I'll always have something that I need to learn. There's always going to be something I don't know, mm-hmm. but I also have a lot to offer. I have a lot that I could teach other people, um, which is great for me because I've always been the kind of person that all I've ever wanted to do was help people, and it was a a sacrifice. Yeah. You know, it was a heavy price to pay to be able to go to meetings, to be able to help people, and now I can reach out and impact people's lives in in ways I never thought possible. Yeah. And you get to see the growth of these people, you know, before your very eyes. And it feels good, doesn't it? It does. It's a it's a miracle, man. When you see you see somebody coming in and, and they're hurting, man, and they're withdrawing and you know yeah. 
detoxing and, and they feel so sick and they got tremors and yeah. they can't sleep and, you know, just all the things that come with detoxing. Um, and then hearing the delusional thinking, yeah. you know, and then you, you start showing them where they're delusional. You start showing them their part and their faults and you start showing them all these things and then they start reconditioning themselves. Yeah. They start changing their perspective and they're able to recreate a life you know i i often hear people say like i just want my life back yeah so essentially and i used to say that too but after a while after thinking about it it's like why would you want any of that back (laughs) you know i don't want i don't want my old life back yeah i want a new life Mm -hmm. and that's what the book talks about is recreating yourself um so that's that's the journey that i'm on and I know that it's going to be a long road. You know, recovery is a journey. It's not a destination. There's always going to be a new direction to yeah. go. There's always going to be something new to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the fun part about it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it seems like, tell me if I'm wrong, but like it seems like you're to the point where like this, this like reflecting on your, you know, your responses, your thoughts of like, why would I want my old life back? Like, I could just make a new life. Like, and that seems, I mean, to me, that's exciting. Like, that's something brand new, something fresh, you know, something you can look forward to. Did it take a while for you to, like, cultivate habits and recondition yourself to see in that new limelight of, like, no, let's fucking make a new life. Let's fucking, the possibilities are endless. Like... Yeah. Uh, Tell me how you got up to that point. Oh, man. Honestly, I don't even know how I got to that <laughs> point. It just, you know, uh, you know, I talked I talk to a lot of guys, man, and I stay as plugged in as possible. And I, you know, I'm always trying to learn something. Um, and, like, forming habits is so hard, you know, because... For new habits? Yeah, to form new habits. Oh, is, form new habits. Yeah, yeah, to form new habits is so hard. It because, is, yeah. You know, I'm I'm preconditioned to my old ones. And sometimes I don't always keep up with the new habits, you know. Yeah. Like, it takes so long for, for something to become a habit. I forget how long exactly. Get in, actually it's ingrained like, in your brain, so it's yeah. just like a reflex. Yeah. I think it's like do you have to do something consistently for like three weeks or something for it to be a habit or some yeah. shit like that. The numbers but, are always changing. You see yeah. days. Yeah. I mean, you weeks. get it when you yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah but, you get it. Um, I, like, dude, I've started so many new habits, and then like I just stopped doing it one day, you know. And all it take all it takes is that one day to not do it, right? Yeah. And then you start becoming complacent. Yeah. Uh, and when you get complacent, you're just kind of sitting in one spot. You're just, you know, you're yeah. not doing shit. Yeah. And uh, that's where that's where trouble starts, you know, yeah. because you start going back shit. to old habits. Yeah. So and that's that's the hard part. But yeah, it's definitely it's hard to 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 make new habits and. Uh, to carry that out every yeah. day, you know. I'm the same way, man. Like, I trying to form new habits and like waking up early and like whatever it is. I'll get a good trend of doing it, and then to me, I'm like, oh, I got it down, whatever, and I'll stop, and then I fall off the fucking bandwagon, and then it, it kind of goes away. With either with my workouts, but like, yeah, you're right, man. Like, it just takes that one. And to me, I justify it. I'm like, oh, I did it for about. Three weeks consecutive, I got it down. No, yeah. no, no worries. I got it. Yeah, a lot of I people do that. And then a <laughs> lot of people do that with a lot of things they do is justification, yeah. you know, yeah. um, because 
there's always going to be a good reason why, you know, I can go out and, and drink. Yeah. There's always going to be a good reason why I can steal this thing from this store yeah. or, or whatever the case may be, right? Justification is such a huge thing nowadays, and, yeah. and everybody utilizes that, mm-hmm. right? But nobody, well, I can't say nobody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we but, get the idea but there's not very many people that are even willing to see that, mm-hmm. right? Because they're... It's almost like they have tunnel vision. You know, they're yeah. they're focusing on on certain things and and why it's okay. You know, but yeah. they're never taking the time to think why it's not okay. They're never taking the time to think what are the consequences going to be. Yeah, you know, some people. So yeah. so when something happens, like you have to evaluate the the situation as a whole on both sides, right? Situational awareness. Yeah. Uh, you have to okay. What are gonna What are the benefits of me doing this? Okay. Now, what are the consequences of me doing yeah. this? Because no matter what you do, there's always a consequence, even if it's a positive thing. Yeah. There's always a, a consequence somewhere. I can go and and help this person over here, but this other person that I was supposed to have a a conversation with might um might be upset because I didn't make the time for them. Yeah. You know. So there's a consequence no matter what we do. Yeah. And even that, I would also throw in there, um, to me, what really helped me um, also is just being pragmatic about things, you know, looking at both sides, but just like honing in on my intuition. Is there uh, a process like was an AA or just like something that you learn on yourself to kind of like hone in your intuition? Like, is this, you know, is this healthy for my heart and my spirit? Is this something I should be doing? Well, probably, I think you're talking about spiritually when that connection gets severed from that addiction. It looks like you probably have to like recultivate or like from what I'm assuming, like form you have is to hone in on that intuition to kind of get back into that spiritual connection. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's a practice, you know. Um, so typically, you know, people are it's suggested to pray and meditate every day. You know, we have a, a thing upon awakening and then, you know, an evening review. Um, so like when I when I pray. Uh, I try to, you know, first thing I do is I, I thank my higher power for giving me another day of life, you know, and, and I pray that I'm granted another day of sobriety, you know, first and foremost, because nice. anything can happen, right? Nice. Um, but I also I also pray for other things, you know, to to learn how to be understanding and, <coughs> and forgiving and loving and, you know, yeah. all these good things, you know. Uh, I definitely had a change what I was praying for mm-hmm. um, and I also had to to realize that it's okay to ask God for blessings you know and that's that's what God wants is he wants us to ask for blessings um, because he has tons of blessings for us and there's a really cool book that was given to me by my sponsor uh, it's called the prayer of Jabez and it's it's probably my favorite book. Oh, nice. Um, it's a really short book, but it, it's so impactful, you know, and the prayer, the prayer is actually pretty short. It's only like five lines, you know, and... Oh, nice. Um, Nothing too... But it, it, it breaks it down in a way to where, like, it has a, it has a small section per line, you yeah. know, uh, so it breaks it down line for line, and um, let me see if I can remember. It's a... Uh, the prayer is, oh, Lord, that you would bless me indeed, uh, that you would expand my territory, that you would place your hand upon me, 
that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Um, so the first line, I like that. Um, oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed, right? Yeah. So, biblically speaking, uh, to put the word indeed at the end of that, uh, the way that would translate to modern day literature is like putting a bunch of exclamation points at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for you're asking God to to bless you in all aspects of your life, right? You're asking him for an abundance of blessing, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, and then that you would expand my territory. Uh, and that could mean many things, you know. Um, for me, being in AA, like fellowshipping is, is crucial. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge part of what we do. So when I when I pray for God to expand my territory, it usually comes in the form of fellowship, right? Yeah. Um, whether that be, you know, somebody can call me and be like, hey, I need to talk, you know, and I'll talk to them. Or, hey, I need you to, to help me out. I need you to speak tonight. You know, I'll go speak, you know, whatever that is. So it's it's asking God to give me more work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the next line, uh, that you, that you would place your hand upon me, so in the Bible, when you know when when God places His hand on somebody, it's to have God's power flowing through you, so you yeah. can carry out an action that He's you know or a task that He's giving you. Mm-hmm. So just from that point right there, um, you can even kind of look at it in my in my own perspective. You can kind of look at it backwards from that point, right? So it's like saying, God, uh, put Your hand on me and let Your power flow through me, so that way I can carry out all these tasks that you're giving me by expanding my territory so that I may have uh, an abundance of blessing. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. I like it. It's like a a manifestation of just reverberating this righteousness. Right. Right. And it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Um, And then, so like the last two lines are kind of self-explanatory, but that you would keep me from evil, you know, keep me out of bad situations. And... uh, uh, that I may not cause pain, you know, that I could be the best me, that I could be every day and not be a fucking dick, you know, <laughs> yeah. like not hurt people because yeah. um, it's all about, you know, um, clearing up the wreckage of our past, you know, and part of recreating yourself is and and um, reconditioning yourself is is changing the way you treat people. You it's know? no joke, man. It's fucking hard work, too. Recondition, and the, you know, instead of, of and and it's really it, being in sobriety has really changed my perspective on people in general because, uh, like, I'm starting to realize, like, you know what, um, this person might be just as sick as me, yeah. you know. So <laughs> I have to, I try to cut people slack because, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. That is like, oh, look at this piece of shit out here asking yeah. for money or, you know, look at this fucking asshole. Yeah. You know, I don't know what that person is going yeah. through, you know. And I hate it, man, but, like, we are all so judgmental. Like, I think from as a start, as we were children, that's, like, conditioned in us to be so judgmental. We're like, what the fuck is this fucking Jamoke want? What the fuck are you doing? Who you, like, yeah. It's, and I hate that. I, I'd catch myself doing the same thing. I got to catch myself. I'm like, all right, no, they're probably just dealing with their own shit, uh, and it probably, you know, you like, you definitely probably know that they're just struggling just as much as us, but like in a different way, you know, maybe like with a personal relationship, or finances, or 
just they're depressed and they don't even know why. And like they probably yeah. still have to figure it out. But yeah, people, we were all fucked up. Yeah, I mean another you know something else that actually helped me out big time was it was a book you gave me, uh, the Voice of Knowledge. Oh yeah. Uh, so I. Eric, you it's, actually read it, huh? It yeah. Impactful, yeah. No, <laughs> nice. I'm glad you did. It talks about you know how, and it kind of falls in line with like preconditioned being preconditioned, right? Yeah. So like as as when we're kids, mm-hmm. you know, and we go to school, you know, in school, and, yeah, and, and they, there. yeah, being in school, they have certain standards. Like if you want to be a good boy, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, and you don't do that, right? Because yeah. people are different. Everyone's different yeah. in their own in their own right. Um, and you, you don't do that, and then that's where that feeling of inadequacy starts. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts, is as a kid, right? And that's where it started for me. And I didn't notice it until I read that book. And, um, you know, he, the guy, he was talking about trying to impress his grandfather, and, like, he never needed to. Mm-hmm. But then I, I translated that into my own life, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I thought about it, and, like, be, being in grade school, I was always different. You know, I was always... Uh, I don't want to say smarter than everybody else, but like I got, I was bored easy, you know. Like I knew answers. Like I was a smart, smart kid. Yeah. And um, yeah, you definitely were. You surprised me when we were youngsters. Like, yeah. This fucking guy. Is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I looked at all that stuff, and uh, you know, I realized that's when um, that feeling of not fitting in started because I wasn't able to fit into the standards of society for that age group. Yeah. You know, and then. I got to high school, and they tell you, you know, if you want to succeed in life, you have to go to college, and you have yeah. to do this, and you have to do that, and yeah. if you want to be a man, you got to do this, yeah. and, you know, and I'm just, you know, I, I go through life the way I see fit, yeah. and it's not always the best way, and I need guidance, you know, and, um, and I need to learn things, but what I found was that it only solidified that feeling of inadequacy, that feeling of I should just be in solitude mm-hmm. because I don't fit into the, the standards that society has, which is it's kind of a double-edged sword because if you think about it, they preach individuality, right? And uh, I think more so now, but I think when we were kids, um, they was, it wasn't that much uh, praising individuality. But yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, so they 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 preach individuality, you know, and like, oh, be yourself, be yourself. Yeah. But it's like a double standard because they tell you to be yourself, but if you want to do right and be good in life, you have to do X, Y, and Z, right? And yeah. so that's where a lot of people get fucked up. And um, a lot of people that I've met have felt the same way because they weren't able to live up to those standards because they they view life differently. Yeah. Why should I have to conform to what everybody else is going to conform to? You're telling me to be myself, but then you're going to censor me because of what I really want to do, yeah. because that's who I am. And that's where uh, a lot of frustration happens for me, because they always told me, just be yourself, just be yourself. But when I'm myself, I'm looked at as a fucking <laughs> weirdo, you know, yeah. or like, oh, this guy is crazy. And I am a little bit, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. It sucks, you know, because I just, it's just that feeling of not fitting in, you know, and so, so what do I do? Have you gotten yeah. to the point where feeling that alienation and not fitting in kind of turned into your superpower? It's like, it's your character out in the world? Because I think now what really helped me in out, in a too, way, I definitely was like, 
all these different schools never really stood in one position for too long, but after a while, I kind of like, you know, it, yeah, it's a, like a white and black world where you got to do one or the other. You got to do X, Y, and Z. But I think once you kind of learn how to be yourself um, and nice, welcoming, got to ease people in because, you know, some people are just so sensitive once their belief systems or a certain way is just disrupted. Um, I think after a while, like, I kind of learned how to do that where it's like, all right, just be yourself, be your character. Like, you're going to stand out, fucking stand out and be that person to stand out. But I think that part, you have to hold your ground because you're still all alone when you stand out. And I think that's something that we've never really been taught to know how to cope with or understand or, or utilize or really get deeper in that part. Like, all right, how do I stand alone confidently in my own character, my own power? But... I, don't know, I guess that's why we read these books. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like my superpower now, you know, but it definitely helps um, because I've... Knowing that's not going to go anywhere? Huh? <laughs> Knowing that's not going to go anywhere, like yourself is yourself, like you can't change that, like yeah. you're going to send out no matter I what. I could change certain parts of myself, but like I'm always <laughs> going to be who I am. Yeah. Um, but the cool part about that and having been through so many different life experiences and grown up in different types of environments, um, I'm able to kind of read people a little better. Yeah. So when I do meet people that are like me, like I feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I'm not a part of society or I feel like this or that. Um, I'm able to relate to them on that level. We're still different yeah. and we're still unique. Yeah. But on that one level of life we're able to relate you know and that's where that's where you're able to start breaking down barriers with people and you're able to kind of pick their brain and, and see their perspective yeah. you know and then they're able to do the same thing with you yeah and that's how people learn stuff would you also say um to me i think it's just it's a, a pretty kind of an intimate thing uh, would you say like just like being yourself to a stranger, somebody you don't even know, but you have that common trend of like, all right, we're both alienated, we're both fucked up, so you guys, you know, want to be friends fucked up together? <laughs> but like after a certain point, like even just making new best friends and new friends, like it takes a certain level of intimacy to break down those barriers, right? Would you say so? Yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, some friendships are made quicker than others. Yeah. Because you know? some people, <laughs> I've met some people and we just hit it off right away. You know, um, a good buddy of mine, you know, uh, I can't say his name, but yeah, a, good bu- a good buddy of mine, you <laughs> know, I, I just like we'd seen each other so many different times, you know, but we never really talked. Mm, one of those but, ones. That's weird how that happens, huh? Like, he, did you recognize day, him beforehand? Before you Yeah, I, I always knew who he was. Yeah. You know, like I, those are, those I knew who he associated with and what, you know, whatever, but. We never, uh, we never really talked. Like we knew of each other, but then one day um, we were at a big event. It was a, a I want to say a CA event, and he asked me for a ride home, and I was like, yeah, of course, you know. So I, I drove him home, and 
uh, we got to talking on the way there, you know, and you know me, I'm always talking shit, cracking <laughs> jokes, and yeah. like it turns out me and this dude are like pretty much the same guy, you yeah. know. <laughs> nice. So we like instantly became be- almost like best friends, you know, and, and I would pick him up and we'd I'd take him to meetings and you know, I started introducing him to people that he might not have known, you know, and yeah, and we just started hitting all these meetings together and he's a good friend of mine, you know. I he like definitely consider him as one of my sobriety brothers, you know. He's a real good guy, you know. Nice. And he's been through a lot himself. But I've been able to help him out with my perspective of things. Yeah. And he's been able to do the same for me. Like, I was having a panic attack one night while I was driving. Like, And it was crazy because I was breathing so hard. And, like, everybody could hear him breathing in the car <laughs> over the music, you know. Over the music, huh? And he, uh, he was talking to me. He's like, man, it's all right, bro. It's all right. And we were going to drop off uh, another friend of ours at, at, a, at a detox facility. And it was cool because not only was he able to hang out with me and talk to me and relate with me more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to help somebody in the process, you know, and I went home and I was grateful that I was sleeping in my own bed and not in a detox facility bed. Yeah. And I was grateful that I had somebody there to talk me down and and help me not be so delusional. Yeah. You know, so have you recalibrate, huh? Yeah. So, so like I was saying, you know, like some friendships are made quicker than others. There's yeah. other people I know, like I see them every week, you know, and hey, what's up? How you doing? How's everything going? Blah, blah, blah. And we won't really hang out. Yeah. But then we start to hang out. And then little by little, as yeah. time passes, you know, this friendship. Time. Yeah. Um, I got another buddy of mine, you know, he came from uh, up north and I went out to see him once. Um on my way back from a funeral uh, up in the Four Corners. And, you know, he's a, he's a real solid guy. He, he owns his own company doing recovery stuff, and he's a real good dude. And uh, he took me out to dinner, and we got to hang out and talk. And then, you know, ever since then, well, even before that, we hung out once before that at a retreat that I was at. And, uh you know, ever since then, you know, we've been, we've been pretty close, you know, and I, I call him and I talk to him and, uh, he's got a long time sober, you know, and, and he goes through stuff just like everybody else, yeah. you know, and that was one of those friendships that just kind of, once we actually took the time to hang out, it just took off, Yeah. you know, which yeah. is, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. That's dope. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy how, how that works out. Yeah. Nice, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird how you don't really realize how healthy a healthy friendship is until you have, like, good friends around you that want you to do good and hold each other accountable to, you know, follow through the process. That's, that's always good. Yeah, accountability is uh, really important uh, in anything <laughs> in life. Um, you're always going to have somebody that's going to hold you accountable for something. Yeah. But... We, what we need to do is learn how to hold ourselves accountable, you know, because it's so easy to pass blame. It's so easy to say, this is your fault, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But when am I going to take responsibility yeah. for what I'm doing, you know, and yeah. that, that's important for me because uh, having looked at 
all the stuff that I've done in life. Like I'm able, I'm actually able to accept responsibility for that and try to make right those wrongs. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, you know, some things that I've done that I I just can't make it right to certain people, you know, and I just, the lesson there is just don't fucking do it ever again. Yeah. You know, be a better person. Um, And and that's where the whole reconditioning comes in. You know, it's such a, an important thing for me because it's really easy for me to go back to the way I used to think the way Just I off used of one to decision off of one decision. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found myself in situations many a times, even in sobriety where like something negative happens and it's like a flipping a light switch, you know, and I'm, I'm the old me mm-hmm. and I have no care if I live or die, I have no care. If you live or die, I just, I have no care, you yeah. know. Um, it's almost like like I'm heartless, you know, and I don't have to live like that no more. And as soon as I'm able to realize that I'm there, <laughs> you know, I have to take certain actions to pull myself out of that. Yeah. You know, because it's in those times that I'm blocked from my higher power. Yeah. You know, I'm blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And I stay in that negative place. I'm putting myself back in that cage. So being able to not be in the cage and uh, just be a different person altogether, it's refreshing because it's almost like living a new life. You know, this life that I have now is a gift. Yeah. That's, uh, That's good. I like that. That's good perspective to hold on to. Yeah, and so like how I was saying, like I I almost died, you know. Uh, realistically speaking, I probably shouldn't be here, but I am. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. But I have a I have a big purpose here, and whatever that is, I'll find out. But for the time being, I could just enjoy the ride, you know. I could just be the best person I can and help whoever I can, and you know, I'm so, always down to help anybody. I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of wanted to like. N- Pick at that a little bit, like which part? The uh, the committing suicide and then oh. <laughs> and, and then waking up again, like so. You could yeah, and you could just go however personally you want. You don't have to be too specific or anything, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, like, did you uh, were you upset? Because it had been a slow process of like you're down to your lowest point and you you made the decision, you know, to to do whatever you have to do to go under and not wake up. Wait wake back up um but after waking back up and knowing that your initial decision didn't follow through and you're still in this life is that still like a very shitty feeling like oh what the fuck am i still doing here like i don't want to be walking around this earth in this (laughs) flesh prison (laughs) (laughs) so the way that looked um because i know like it's a sensitive topic and you know all over the media you they have articles like, oh, how do you treat depression? Or how do you talk to people about suicide, suicide prevention? Well, it's an important topic. Uh, yeah. It really is because... Yeah, which is why I wanted to ask you this. There's like, a lot of people that suffer from suicidal ideations, and they don't know what to do, you know. And at the time, it sounds like a really good option, and it's not, you know having been there myself and suffering from depression and anxiety and all that shit for most of my life, you know, uh, it is an important thing to talk about. 
and I try to reach out when I can, especially to guys that are feeling that way, you know, um, because you never know who you're going to save. You never know what small actions you take or, or small conversation you have can impact somebody. Um, and at the time, had I opened up, I probably would have had somebody that could have saved my life, you know. Um, but what happened instead was I isolated. I let myself stay in that deep, dark place. And the idea of dying sounded really good. Uh, I wasn't thinking about, well, I was, you know, my daughter, you know, leaving her behind. And, you know, at the time it was like, I'm just, I'm such a shitty person. It would be better for everyone if I wasn't here. Cause I felt like I was just a burden to everyone. So when I made that choice, uh, I was actually talking with a friend, um, my best friend from high school, dude's like a, like a brother, you know, um, I was talking to him and what ended up happening was I made my decision. I don't want to be here anymore. Everyone would be better without me. And so I drank, uh, a few, a few bottles of some liquor and took a handful of pills. There was, uh, some prescription sleeping pills and muscle relaxers and it's probably like 12 pills I had Jeez. and I took all of them and uh, I said I sent a goodbye message to my best friend and yeah. you know I was like this is it and so they found me my my uh, sister-in-law found me uh, in the kitchen on the floor and I wasn't breathing and you know it just kind of went downhill from there uh my brother came down to see what the situation was, and, you know, he told me after the fact, having spoken with him about it, he told me that he thought I was going to be dead. Yeah. Uh, which is fucked up. You yeah. Know, that yeah. I yeah. even put him through that experience, but um, they found me, and somehow I started breathing again, and, you know, they took me to my room, and... Uh, I woke up in my room, and the last thing I remember before doing all that was sitting, um, I was sitting at the counter uh, by the kitchen, and I had the laptop, and I was listening to music, and I sent the message, and I just remember um, closing the laptop halfways so I couldn't look at the screen uh, because I didn't want to see what he had to say. And I just, I can hear him blowing me up, you know, trying to talk me down. And I guess what happened was my, my best friend had uh, reached out to my brother somehow and told him the situation and like told him what I did and everything. And thank God, man, cause I'm sitting here now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if it wasn't for my best friend and my brother, you know, and, and my sister-in-law, I wouldn't be here. I probably would have tried it again. You know, the the percentage rates of people doing trying suicide for the second time is a lot higher than it is for the first time. Yeah. Because you've already tried it once. Yeah. <clears throat> tried it once. So you feel more comfortable trying again, you know? Yeah. 
And I've actually been faced with that dilemma too, like wanting to do it again, you know, even in sobriety, uh, just a few months ago, like I sat in front of my house, like I should just fucking kill myself. And it's not because I want to, but it's because when my disease of addiction can't attack me anymore, my mental health disease is going to come for me, Yeah, you know, and, and it's going to attack me in any way possible. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, feeling inadequate mm -hmm. and in multiple ways as a man, as a, as a father, yeah. as a, you know, a son, you know, uh, so these thoughts are just bombarding your psyche, which yeah. is just pushing you to the point of just having some sort of solution. And yeah. So, so now out. we get to the solution part, uh, <laughs> cause I don't want to just talk about that and leave it at that. Yeah. Know? So here comes the solution part. Uh, so when my brother came home from work that night, uh, he wakes me up and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? And uh, I walk into the living room and I look up and there's my mom and there's my dad and my brother and my sister-in-law. And my first thought is, what the fuck? <laughs> Intervention know? time. Yeah. And I'm just like, no fucking way. This is really fucking <laughs> happening right now. You know, I was like, I should just turn around, go back to my room and go to sleep. Fuck this. <laughs> You know, because who nobody wants an intervention, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, fuck, bring me a bottle then, you know, what's good? But <laughs> um, so they asked me, you know, they're like, do you want help? Are you ready for help? And I just fucking broke down, man. And like my body was trembling and like just trying to recover from all that stuff I did. And it was a awful feeling, you know, just feeling emotionally and spiritually and physically bankrupt. You know, at yeah. that point, I had nothing left. All the fight that I had in me was gone. So I went to uh, I went to Banner Psychiatric and I spent about two weeks there um, because they said I was a high risk, which they're probably right. You're such a high uh, risk, man. You're yeah. Like... Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> and so I was in there and that was when I, you know started going to those 12-step groups and and uh, that was where I found my solution um, because I didn't have to pick up anymore. I didn't have to drink anymore. I didn't have to to live in a preconditioned way and it gave me a new life, you know. So second chances, you know, I, I really believe in second chances because that's what I was given. Yeah. And if it wasn't for this second chance, you know, a lot of things wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, and I, I get to see my daughter grow up. I get to hear her talk. Beautiful thing. You know, and now when she runs up to me, she's daddy, 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 you know, and it makes me feel great. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't die. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I've been able to help so many people, you know, I just, you can't buy that kind of shit. No, yeah. And, yeah, really soak it in as much as you can. Those moments that just will yeah. always go. They're fleeting moments, you know, yeah. fleeting moments. And I have to be present for that because it's my responsibility. You know, I have responsibilities to certain certain people and I have to maintain those responsibilities. Um, but it doesn't mean that I have my shit together <laughs> either, you know. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still lost. I'm very lost still. But... The difference now as opposed to then is my perspective, you know, and that's the whole point of all this is perspective. Yeah. Um, because my, the way I viewed life back then was, you know, 
very negative. It was fuck God and this and that and you know. I remember. I don't give a shit and you know I used to listen to Slipknot in church. You know, <laughs> like just all these stupid things I used to do because my perspective of life was just so negative. Yeah. But now, you know, life is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much to live for. But it doesn't mean that I don't still get those thoughts, you know, yeah. and that I'm being on this journey that I'm on now with the emotional sobriety. It's learning how to to think different. And, you know, I, I take my medications and I do my counseling and I stay plugged in to, to the program of recovery as much as possible, because without it, I would have nothing. Um, Hell yeah, man. That's good. It's given me the life I have today. So do you... Uh Probably uh, wrapping up this wrapping this up soon, but um, no, yeah, I really appreciate you opening up your heart and getting really intimate in in, uh, in your personal experiences with all this. I think it really good. It gave a good glimpse on uh, you know the whole process of AA and you know what a person goes through. And I guess, what advice would you give if um, for outsiders like that? need to help out someone with addiction, someone with depression. Because there's so many different ways we can approach it, but really... If you're, if you're somebody that doesn't suffer from addiction and you know somebody that does, yeah. don't force it on them. They have to be ready. Yeah. They have to make they the decisions to be. They have to hit that bottom. Whatever that bottom looks like, they have to hit that bottom. They have to be ready to give it up. When you force stuff on people, they're not going to change. So if you're somebody, if you have a, a relative or a friend and, you know, all you could do is, is offer support, you know, obviously don't support their habits, but offer support like I'm here for you, you know, if you need to talk. you know, and, and see if they're ready. If they are ready, try to get them into treatment, yeah. you know. Don't just let them do a quick detox, you know, let them do an actual treatment, yeah. you know, a 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever. Put them in, in treatment, but don't force it on them. They have to be ready. Yeah. And it's so important that they be ready for that. They got to make the decision. Right? And if, you know, if whoever out there is listening and you suffer from addiction, you know, reach out, you know, reach out and, and open up. Uh, it could save your life and it could save a lot of other people's lives. Um, I know people that have accidentally removed people from this earth because of their addictions uh, by accidents and stuff. And, you know, reach out. Just reach out. There's lots of help out there. Um, I'm sure wherever this gets posted, if it's on Facebook and I'm tagged on it or something, feel free to hit up my profile and, and send me a message, you know, and, and let me know what's going on, and I can I can plug you in somewhere. Nice, nice, yeah. Um, that's actually probably good. Do you have any shout-outs or hashtags or um, centers you want to name off that would probably be beneficial for someone to write it down and look up? I mean, just... Uh, <laughs> Just Google stuff, man. You know, like I'm serious. It sounds funny and kind of like a joke, but Google stuff. You know, there's lots of treatment yeah. centers in Arizona. A lot. Um, I mean, 
there's a lot of shady ones, but there's a lot of really good solid ones. Um, do your research, you know, call these places if you need help and, and see what they're about. Make sure it's a, it's a 12 step program, you know, I mean, there's different types of recovery out there that work for some people, but the most effective one that I've ever seen is, is doing the steps of AA or, you know, CA or whatever, but they all, they're all based off of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. The big book, huh? Yeah, the big book. So how, how, do, thick, your, how big is do book? your research. It doesn't matter how big the book is. <laughs> you just got to read it. You just got to you know. read it. Right on. Well, uh, right on. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, getting word. a glimpse of your newly, your elaborating on your old perspective, your preconditioned to uh, giving light to this new perspective. Word. I look forward to uh, coming back and maybe talking about something else or, you know. Whatever. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's probably the first. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope everyone's having a good day out there. And enjoy life. And be open to the blessings that are coming your way. Open to the blessings. All right, now you want freestyle? <laughs> <laughs>